several years ago, I was, uh, I was hanging out with Nick after school one day. It was in December at some point, and uh, I think he was probably in middle school. I had on uh, just your average v-neck, gray v-neck sweater, um, and uh, we're just hanging out, uh, doing something after school, and, 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 and he said, Dad, can I wear your sweater to school tomorrow? And I answered something about the fact that, well, I'm wearing it today, and it'll probably be dirty uh, for you to wear it tomorrow, not to mention the fact that, uh, uh, that it'll probably be too big for you. Uh, and then I said, but why, buddy? Why, uh, why, why do you want to borrow my sweater? And he said... Because it's ugly sweater day at school tomorrow, Dad. <laughs> completely innocent. Uh, he, he wasn't even trying to make a joke. But uh, just being completely honest, I guess. Uh, maybe you're wondering what, uh, what ugly Christmas sweaters have to do with, with Jesus and, and uh, the, the, the Christmas season. It has less to do with what we wear. And as we saw in that, that little video, uh, less to do with what we wear than it has to do with how we act, right? And, and, and we can laugh and, and have fun with ugly sweaters and, and all the things that come with the holiday season. But some people choose to embrace ugly attitudes. And sometimes that comes up even more uh, during the stress and the hype of, uh, of, of this time of year. But Christmas is, is meant to be a time of, of joy and, uh, and peace and, and love and all those things rooted in the birth of our Savior, Jesus. But too often, that fact gets lost in the ugly thoughts and words and motives and actions of, uh, that, that we have. And so this Christmas, uh, it is my prayer that we as followers of God, as the church, that we will exhibit what it means to celebrate Jesus in the way that we think and speak and live toward the people around us. And so this is just a fun way to get us into that perspective this year. Today we're th- uh, starting off with uh, ugly thoughts because our words and our actions originate uh, in, in, in our minds before we express them outwardly, so should, we should probably go there first. Changing your thinking can really change a whole lot of things. James Allen once wrote, You are today where your thoughts have brought you. You will be tomorrow where your thoughts take you. Ralph Waldo Emerson once wrote, Life consists of what a man is thinking about all day. When you get yourself into a jam, maybe you've botched things up bad, someone finds out about it, one of the first things they might say to you is, man, what were you thinking, right? If, if our thinking is all messed up, then our lives will, uh, will most likely be messed up too. So if, if we can catch anything ugly entrenched in our thought patterns, then we, then we have a good chance of allowing the Holy Spirit to rewire those thoughts and to help us to, to, to not uh, express those things or to live them out, but instead to live lives of joy. That can be a, a tricky and difficult thing to do, but it's, it's necessary if we're going to experience the uh, transformation that, that God wants to bring in our lives and get rid of the ugliness out of our thought life. I, I don't know if, if anybody can relate to, uh, to this, or if you've seen this, uh, this this year yet in your own personal lives. Have you wrestled with the lights yet at your house? Anybody? A couple of you. Good. I see that testimony. I see that hand. We'll pray later. Um, 
We decorated for Christmas a couple of weeks ago at our house. I always do the lights. Uh, we don't have a ton, you know, we don't put them everywhere and, and have them flashing with, with the whole thing and, and all the stuff, but, uh, but we have some on the tree, of course, and, and there's a little garland on the mantle, and we do a little bit outside, and, and uh, I mean, we, we like lights. We, we uh, enjoy that around the around the uh, the house for Christmas. And, and for years, we've had a plastic tub that, uh, that is labeled Christmas lights, right? And um, at the end of the Christmas season, usually first week of January, those of you <clears throat> that have left your lights up all, and that's your public service announcement, first or second week of January, let's take those things down. No, we, uh, uh, so usually I'm, I'm taking those things down, I pull out the box, open up the, and it's there, and it's marked Christmas lights, and so then I meticulously take down the strings of lights, and I wrap them up carefully, and I place them in the tub, and it never fails to boggle my mind how a perfectly good string of lights can go into that box the second week of January. And after sitting dormant for 11 months, protected and silent in the darkness of the crawl space in the basement, they don't work when you pull them out in, in, in the, when the, the season comes the next, the next year. Uh, Sometimes everything works great. Last year was one of those times. Pulled everything out, plugged it in, we were good. Maybe one string, I don't know. But, but this year was not last year for us at our house. Uh, this year, a third of the lights that go on our tree didn't light when I plugged them in. And I've learned that you don't put them on and then plug it in and hope for the best. You've got to plug them in first because they just, there's something that happens in that little box that, uh, that, that they just don't always work. So a third of those lights were gone. I usually buy them on sale afterwards for the next year. So sure enough, I had some, some boxes and we could, we could make that work. And then I pulled out the, uh, the garland that, uh, that, that have the lights all wound in it. So some point along the way, I've, I've taken the time to do all the things and, and uh, wind it all up there and get it all set. And there was not a single strand of garland with lights in it that worked this year. Uh, every single, and the, 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 we have a, a wreath with that, and none of the, all, anything that had lights wound in it, I had to unwind it, put a new set of lights in it. Uh, the one set of lights that I put in it was the wrong set of lights that, that twinkled, and we weren't supposed to twinkle, we were just supposed to be on, and so I got twinkle lights, and I shouldn't have gotten twinkle lights, and so, and so I unwound those again, and then I wound in the, I just have to say, I'm, I'm just going to let you know that I may or may not have had some ugly thoughts uh, and probably had an ugly attitude and I know that I had to take a moment and repent of those things because this was not something that I enjoyed. It, it's, uh, uh, man, it's, it's just, ugh, you know, it can just get to you. Now, it used to be with the older technology, uh, you know, maybe some of you remember these days, if one bulb is even out, the whole strand is gone, right? It just didn't work. Now, they've, they've, they've got a, uh, the, the wiring such that if a bulb is out, the rest of the strand still works. But if a bulb is loose, it's not making that connection, then the whole strand is still going to be shot. Um, and at, at times, I have carefully gone through the, uh, the, the string looking for a, a, a loose bulb and in order to, uh, to do that. Uh, th- there are other, th- I don't know, maybe you know this, uh, but, uh, but there's little fuses in each one of those strands, right? And so there's that little trap door, and you got to slide, it's, you know, it's about that big, and you slide out the little trap, and there's two little fuses in there, and they come with new fuses because they know that their fuses are not going to work, and so they give you new fuses. So you can, you can get your needle nose pliers out, and you can dig down in there, and, and I've done that sometimes, and sometimes, every once in a while, that works, right? 
but not usually. And uh, usually it's a whole lot of work and untangling and, and wiring and rewire and all the things. Usually I just throw out the whole strand and get a new box, right? It's just not worth it. Rewiring our, our minds, rewiring our thought life can feel a lot like that right? It can be tedious and daunting. Often, you know, we've, we've had our thoughts be getting tangled up for a long, long time as we've lived our lives. And, and it takes years to, to formulate our thought processes and, and the default places that, that our minds go when this happens or this happens or this happens or this situation. Uh, I'm automatically thinking these thoughts. And, and, and it, it, it could be that it's just daunting and, oh, I don't, know what I could do to change my thoughts. They're just my thoughts. Well, it's not an option. Like, like with the strand of lights, it's, it's not an option to just throw out your brain and get a new one. Although sometimes I think that might help for me. But uh, uh, we, we have to take the time to make the effort to allow the Holy Spirit to help us rewire those negative, ugly thought patterns and, and uh, start thinking the thoughts that would please and honor God. The Apostle Paul addressed this in the last chapter of his letter to the Philippians. And, and I find myself going there multiple times. It's a, it's a favorite passage uh, for me. Uh, it's so rich and meaningful and, and practical all at the same time. It's Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse 4. And maybe you'll recognize these words. Uh, but uh, here's, here's what Paul said to that church in Philippi. He says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I, sa- I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So here's an instruction that, uh, that, that some might think is impossible to follow. It's really just one word. Uh, Paul says, rejoice. And then he says, this is important enough, I should probably repeat myself. I'm going to say it again, rejoice. And, and I guess if, if we think that joy is a feeling or an emotion, then this would be a bit tough to swallow. I can't make myself feel something, right? If, if, it might feel a lot like uh, the old Bobby McFerrin song, right? Don't worry, be happy. Okay, I'll just flip that switch. I'm not going to worry and I'm going to be happy. It's not how it works, right? And that's not what Paul is saying because you can't just change an emotion and be happy. But joy isn't an emotion. It's a choice and you can choose to rejoice. Paul wasn't ignoring what we go through in life. He, he was familiar with all the reasons that the people in, in that Philippian church uh, would have had to, to grumble and complain and be frustrated or dismayed. And, and, uh, and, and we have those same kinds of feelings. And those things can steal our joy. They can make us anxious. They can make us cynical. They can make us question God. They can make us want to give up. But Paul offers a method of rewiring our minds rejoice. It's not about how you feel. Even in the midst of of all the reasons that we have to be negative, uh, Paul tells us to choose to rejoice. Rather than being anxious, bring those reasons for anxiety to the Lord in prayer. It It says here, he is near. He is with us. Christmas tells us that. Jesus is the reason that we can choose to rejoice. 
Paul even offers a promise with this. He says, if we do this, if we rejoice in the Lord always, the peace of God will guard our hearts and our minds. You see that there? He's talking about our thinking, not just our feeling, but our, our thinking. Uh, guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Our thoughts are, are so important. I mean, how different might our lives be if we thought more about the reasons to rejoice than focusing on the reasons for frustration? I mean, this one little instruction from Paul, rejoice in the Lord always, I'm going to say it again, rejoice. It, it can be kind of like finding that loose light bulb or, 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 or swapping out that bad fuse, right? Choosing joy can really make all the difference. But even at that, you're probably, I don't know, I don't want to assign thoughts to you, but you might be thinking at this point, yeah, pastor, that still seems pretty simplistic. I mean, I can't just flip that switch and all of a sudden, all those years of negative thought patterns are just swept away and now I'm joyful. It's just great. And I acknowledge that because this takes intentionality and effort and practice and commitment and prayer. And when you're, you've done all that, you'll do it again. And then some more negative thoughts come up and it takes intentionality and effort and practice and commitment and prayer. Uh, if we keep reading here, uh, uh, the next couple of verses, Paul acknowledged that too. And he's, he's telling us that there, there's, I mean, he's elaborating on how we can choose to rejoice. Even in the middle of these things that cause anxiety and stress and all those things. How do we choose to rejoice? He says, well, finally, brothers and sisters, beginning in verse 8, he says, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Now, the, the old saying goes, a penny for your thoughts. I don't have a pocket full of pennies to, uh, to, to hand out pennies today and find out your thoughts, but, uh, but I guess I do, in a sense, I want to ask you, what are you thinking about? I'm not necessarily right now in this minute, what are you thinking about? Could be a whole host of things, uh, and I really don't want to know. But, uh, uh, but what are you thinking about in your, in your day-to-day life? What are you paying attention to? What are you spending your time on? What... What's your thought life like? Does it match Paul's list? I I mean, so many times we dwell on ugly things, and then we wonder why we have an ugly attitude. (laughs) When, When you dwell on negativity, it's going to breed negativity. When you dwell on sin and depravity, it's going to breed more of the same. But when you when you dwell on the things of God, it's going to bring God's presence and God's peace. So I want to ask you, what are you thinking about? In your day-to-day, walking around, working uh, uh, in your your home, in the community, uh, in your hobbies, what are you thinking about? What are you spending your time on? Uh, Compare those things to Paul's list. Is it, are the things that you're spending your time dwelling on, are they true? Are they based in reality? Are they inherently uh, uh, moral and, and dependable? Is it, is it truth or is it just kind of fluff and, and uh, uh, not really true? Or is it false and negative? Uh, is it noble? Are the things you're thinking about noble? Are they worthy of respect? Uh, something that's noble or honorable is the opposite of, of, of vulgar or immoral. 
Maybe we could ask, does this thing honor God? So I'm spending my time, I recognize I'm having these thoughts. Does this honor God? Is it, is it noble? Is it right? Of course, right or wrong. Uh, another word we could put in there is righteous. Is it, is it righteous? And, and, and uh, that goes right along with the next one, pure, innocent, holy, not defiled. Uh, it, are the things that I'm thinking about, that I'm spending my time on, that my, where my thoughts are going, are they pure? How about lovely? There, that means there's an intrinsic attractiveness. Uh, the lovely things give pleasure to us. Uh, maybe it's, it's kind of like a pleasant fragrance. A, a great word to insert in there would be winsome. Are the thoughts that I'm thinking winsome? Admirable, uh, a good reputation. Uh, someone has once de- described it this way. These are the things that are fit for God to hear. Are the thoughts that I'm thinking fit for God to hear? Are they admirable? Is anything excellent or praiseworthy? It's kind of, Paul is summarizing it. He could, he could keep listing descriptive words, but, but uh, summarizing the rest of, of great thoughts. What, moral excellence, uh, godly behavior, uh, praiseworthy, excellent. Uh, Paul uh, follows up this list then by encouraging us to follow his example in living out uh, a, a great life. In other words... If you start with right thinking, right action will follow. We gotta, we gotta get our thoughts right. And, and as you're doing that, spending your time on all these great things, then, then, uh, then, then your actions are gonna follow as we, as we follow his example. As I'm thinking about it, it's kinda like a train. Uh, we see trains under the tree. Maybe you've got a train under your tree. I think a couple of times we did, but we also have cats. So that didn't work too well. Your thoughts are the engine and they lead you to positive or negative outcomes. Wrong thinking leads to negative emotions which lead to unwise behavior and that can have devastating consequences, right? But right thinking does the opposite and leads to positive emotions and wise behavior and good outcomes. So getting your thinking right uh, and your emotions and behavior then, then will fall in line and there are great results. If you're, if you're lax in your thinking, you're essentially letting your emotions be the engine. And that doesn't end well. Usually those emotions take us places we don't want to or shouldn't go. Uh, maybe that's why I'm... I'm I don't know, maybe that's why we refer to people whose lives are messed up as a train wreck. I don't know if that, uh, that fits or not, but, but they've, uh, the, many times we allow our emotions to drive the, t- the train and it ends up in a train wreck. So this Advent season, we're only, we're only uh, what, uh, uh, well this is the second Sunday, but just four days into December, so 21 days till Christmas. During these weeks, what are you allowing to fill your thoughts? Are, are, are there ugly thoughts that are derailing your joy? If we're going to honor God with our lives this Christmas, we, we have to do some honest soul searching and evaluating of, of the habitual thoughts that, that, we might, that might be holding us back from rejoicing in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice this morning, I guess I'm the, uh, the external motivation, the, the preacher is saying to do this, but, but I hope I'm, I'm going to spark some internal motivation because I can't change your thoughts, but you can. You've got to be motivated inside you to, uh, uh, to, to change those thoughts that will in, change, uh, in, in, in turn change your habits and behavior. So, so what's it going to take? What, what needs to change? What are the ugly things that you're dwelling on that are keeping you from joy? 
I mean, I'm probably right here stepping over from preaching to meddling right now, but I'll name a few things just for fun. What are you watching? How much are you watching? What are you listening to? What are you reading? Where are you going online? Oh, well, you're, I'm just shopping. Well, as you're shopping, does that, is that stirring up thoughts of wishful thinking or, or overextending more than what you can afford so that you can appear in a certain way? Or what things online are you spending too much time looking at that you shouldn't be looking at? Or maybe there's social media and dwelling on what everyone else is up to, and that can many times produce ugly thoughts of insecurity and negativity. I, The list can go on and on. Uh, We can't get sucked into the ugliness of our world. Uh, Taking control of your thoughts uh, means literally changing your habits in order to proactively fill your mind with the things that match Paul's list in Philippians 4.8. The mental junk food that we feast on will not lead us anywhere good and certainly not to the holiness and joy that God desires for our lives. And and I know it's not easy because this is not a passive list. It takes intentionality and effort to pursue these true and right and praiseworthy things. You won't drift into these things. You won't accidentally wake up one day and, and go, oh, I've been pursuing things that are right and good and noble and true. I didn't even know it. You're, you're not going to accidentally drift into these things. Uh, Maybe it's some of the most practical stuff in, uh, in Scripture because you've got to make the choice to say, I'm going to not do that, and instead I'm going to focus on this, and I'm going to dwell on these things that please and honor God. I'm not going to make excuses for, well, it's just a little bit of this and a little bit of that, and it doesn't really, I mean, and a lot of times maybe we're not spending time on, on sinful, awful things, but, but we're still spending a whole lot of time on things that are just kind of, yeah, okay, but they're not true and noble and right and excellent and praiseworthy. They don't match Paul's list. So many of those okay things can distract us from experiencing joy. What are the, not only do we need to evaluate what are the, the, the negative things that we're dwelling on that are leading to ugly thoughts which are taking us places we shouldn't go, but we also need to evaluate what are the beautiful things that we, we are or should be dwelling on that can help us to rejoice. Are you spending time in God's word, the Bible? I mean, daily time immersing yourself in the truths of scripture will do wonders for your thought life. Uh, Maybe maybe you should start by uh, memorizing this passage from uh, from this week. You could do a whole lot worse than putting to memory the very words of God, right? Right? I grew up in a home where that was something that we did, whether we liked it or not, and uh, whether I liked it or not then, I sure like it now. Because there are times and seasons and circumstances and situations when I don't even have a a Bible in front of me or wouldn't even know where to turn, but but, uh, the Lord brings back those those, those words to mind and and, uh, something that, that speaks right to the heart of the issue that I'm walking through. If you've not memorized scripture, and I know, that if you haven't done it as a, you know, growing up, then it's harder. You know what? I don't care if it's harder. It's necessary. We've got to do that, proactively do the things that are going to lead us to the places that God wants us to go. If we're not practically doing those things, we're not going to get there. And we're just playing games. 
write out the, this, this passage. Maybe, maybe you want to start shorter or slower or whatever. Uh, John eleven thirty five 35 might be a great place to start. Jesus wept. You guys got that one. You got it all down. You got it memorized. It's good. So we got to spend time in, in Scripture. Whether you're memorizing or not, are you taking the time to open Scripture daily, maybe more than once a day? Uh, are, you, are you spending time feasting on the Word of God? Do you spend as much time streaming as you time, spend time in God's Word? And it's not about the time necessarily, but the, not only evaluating what you're streaming but the, the, uh, the, the amount of time that you're spending versus spending time on these things of God. Right? Scripture, uh, other things, right? songs that we sing, right? We, we, uh, uh, maybe uh, you, you find yourself singing some stuff. I don't know, I've caught myself singing songs or, uh, or, or quoting things, whatever, and then I, realize, I think about what I just said, and I'm like, oh, I probably shouldn't have even listened to that, let alone memorized it and allowed it to, to fill, my, fill my thoughts. Uh, what, what, are, what are you listening to? What radio stations or uh, podcasts or, or videos are you watching? Uh, uh, I mean, put on the, it's a great time of year. Put on the Christmas carols and not, I mean... All I want for Christmas is you. I mean, come on. Unless you mean Jesus, okay? That's, that's, that's all right. I mean, it's fine. Good, whatever. But what a great time to fill our, our lives with the, the, the great holy thoughts of God than, uh, than at Christmas. I, I, hopefully, uh, you, you have thought about and, uh, and are starting to go through a, an Advent devotional of some sort. Um, what a great time to, to do that. Maybe you, you have the YouVersion app or you've, you've uh, gone to the store or, or maybe there's something on YouTube and, and every day they've got a new thing for you to read or to watch or to, to listen to. And, and I, I hope that you're doing that. If you have an Advent calendar, don't just follow it for the chocolate right? Uh, do it so, so that it's leading you toward this, uh, celebrating this, this season. Re- read and watch and listen to things that draw you toward God, I guess is what I'm saying. I mean, nature is a great place to be. Take a walk. Notice the sunset. Get up early and watch the sunrise. Again, it takes intentionality. You've, you've got to do what, what uh, you've, you've got to in- intentionally make the effort. As a follower of Jesus, Especially as we are anticipating Christmas and anticipating his return someday, probably soon. You should be intentional about filling your environment, the context where you live, filling your environment with things that are uplifting and inspirational. Well, what do those things look like? Oh, I don't know. Maybe it's whatever is true and noble and right and pure and lovely and admirable and excellent, and praiseworthy. Think about such things. In saying that list, there's a whole host of things that that Paul did not include in that list. And he's saying, don't include those things, or it's going to bring your thought life to places you should never be. You need to be filling yourself with these things. Again, this is some of the most practical teaching in all of Scripture. It is also, I believe, some of the most underutilized teaching in all of Scripture. What are you paying attention to? What are you thinking about? Your thought life is important, and it can lead to all kinds of places we don't want it to go, or it can lead us to rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice. Now, one of the most 
true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy things that we could ever dwell on just happens to center around Christmas. In Luke chapter 2, on the, on the heels of Jesus' birth, uh, the, the incarnation of God, there, uh, where, where there were shepherds in a field nearby watching their sheep and unaware of the, the miracle that took place in Bethlehem, uh, angels appeared to them. In Luke chapter 2, we, we read, suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them and they were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. The truest, most noble, most right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy news of all was brought to those shepherds in that field on that first Christmas night. The angel called it good news of great joy for all people. And I know I've mentioned this at Christmas in the past, but it, it still is playing in my mind. And um, whether you've heard it or not, I think it's a great reminder. It is very rare for there to be news that is good, that brings joy to everyone, to all people. Good news, for me, isn't always good news for you. Good news for other people isn't necessarily good news for me. When Ohio State played Michigan a week ago, sorry, too soon? Sorry. You know, they're probably still going to make it, right? So we're, maybe we're okay. Okay. Uh, thank you, Utah. But um, uh, I don't know. Was that pure and noble? And I think I need to pray through. Um, great news. What? Yeah. Great news for Michigan, right? Not great news for the, uh, the Buckeye State. Uh, when, uh, when USA beat Iran on Tuesday in the World Cup, maybe I'm the only one who watched it, but uh, uh, great news for us, not so great news for Iran. On yesterday morning when the USA lost to the Netherlands, they're really excited. Our guys were walking off like this. It is very rare for us to have, for there to be good news that produces great joy for all people. Uh, It's even, I mean, a lot of times it's not just that it's bad news for me because I lost or whatever, but it, it just doesn't apply. I mean, growing up, if I got a, a, a good grade on a test, uh, I mean, every, other people in the school, who cares? That's your good news, but it didn't really apply to them or, or, uh, or the other way around. Or, or, I mean, even right now, uh, there are people getting good news across the globe right now. Probably hundreds, maybe thousands of people getting good news. We don't even know about it, let alone does it apply to us, right? It is very rare for there to be good news that applies to all people that produces great joy. So what better thing to focus our thoughts and attention on this Christmas than the good news of great joy for all people that the angels proclaim? The Jewish people had been waiting for hundreds of years for a Messiah, someone who would come and and free them from the bondage of the Roman government. Even more than that, humanity had been waiting for a Savior to free them from the bondage of sin and death. There is nothing more true and noble and right and pure and lovely and admirable and excellent and praiseworthy than the good news that a Savior has come to rescue the world from the destructive forces of evil and sin. 
Someone once wrote, if our greatest need had been information, God would have sent us an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent an economist. If our greatest need had been pleasure, God would have sent us an entertainer. But our greatest need was forgiveness, so God sent us a savior. Even in the face of frustrations and pain and the challenges of life, when you find your thoughts going to places of anxiety or irritation or depression or other negative places, Paul says, lift those things to the Lord. Think about his gift of salvation for you. It is good news. It is true. It is praiseworthy. Uh, No matter what is going on in the world, there is still a God who has loved you enough to send his son Jesus to pay for your sin. So you have uh, the hope of heaven for all eternity and a relationship with him here and now. That is good news. It is great joy and it is for everyone. Think about such things. And when you do, rejoice. Maybe you're here today and you haven't accepted that good news into your life. Have you uh, asked God to forgive your sin and to heal your brokenness? I mean, that's, that's... what Christmas is all about. You can, you can do that. The offer always stands. His, his grace and his love is extended to each of us. The Holy Spirit may be nudging you to take that step and to make that commitment. I would uh, encourage you to do that. You're going to have a chance. You can, as we sing, it's always right for you to come and to pray and to get things right with God. And as you do, uh, it's going to produce great joy just as it has in, in every person who has accepted him into their life. Or, or maybe, maybe you're, you're here today, and, and yeah, you're, you're doing your best to follow, follow Jesus, but maybe the Holy Spirit has kind of done one of these little nudges in your back and going, yeah, your thoughts, uh, we really need to change some, some stuff here. Maybe there's some ugly stuff going on in, in taking up space in your mind. I hope that you will also take the time to allow him to start rewiring your thought life today. Commit to, to changing your thoughts by focusing on what is true and noble and right and pure and lovely and admirable and excellent and praiseworthy. If you do, that is the road to joy. Precious Father God, the thoughts are such a, a hard thing to grab a hold of sometimes. And we go there before we even recognize it. Lord, I pray that your spirit would help us to, uh, to get rid of the, the ugly thoughts that we have and, and that you'll convict us of the places that we go, that we allow our minds to go and the things that we dwell on that produce that ugliness. Lord, I pray that you will continue to turn us into people that represent you well, that reflect your, your glory and your goodness and your holiness. Lord, I pray that you would do whatever you need to do in this place and in us. In Jesus' name, amen.